Thanks for joining us for this message from Awakened Church. We believe in the power of God's Word, and we pray that you're encouraged by this message. Now lean in as we hear from God's Word together. We are closing out our series called Some Assembly Required. And I'm, I'm sad to see the series come to an end because I've learned a lot in this series. I've been challenged in a lot of ways as well in the series. And I know a lot of you have as well just by talking with you and, and the cool things that God is showing you and teaching you. Um, but today, if you have a Bible, we're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 6 today. It is the fifth book of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy chapter 6. And chances are you have a smartphone, so you can go to the YouVersion Bible app. And when you get there, you can go to the um, More tab and then the Events tab, and you'll see us right there. And you can follow along, take notes there as well. Um, But uh, in this series, we've been talking about how we are built for relationships. And we've been saying that since God created everything in this world, he knows how best things should work, including our relationships. And so we've been talking, we've gone all the way back to Genesis, and we've talked about how we are built for relationships. We're built for community. We've talked about friendship. We've talked about marriage. And today we're talking about parenting. And you've probably heard this phrase before, whether you're a parent or not, you've probably heard it. And it says this, the days are long, but the years are short, right? The days are long, but the years are short. I mean, on the front end of that, you feel like you've got plenty of time. Like we've just, we, we dedicated Bailey and we look at her and we're like, man, it feels like we've got all the time in the world, right? Why? Because you're changing diapers all the time. You're getting up at 3 a.m. to feed the baby. Like it just feels like you're hanging out with them all day and all night. It feels like you've got all the time in the world. And then you blink and what ends up happening? They turn into those terrible twos and threes, right? And they're throwing a tantrum everywhere. And and then you blink again and they're 10 years old. You blink again and you're sending them off to college or walking them down the aisle. And you'll think to yourself, are they really ready for this world? Did I tell them everything they needed to know? Or did I prepare them for life? And the simple answer to that question is no, you didn't. You probably forgot some essential things. You probably forgot some important things, which is understandable because you were busy. You were busy parenting. Now, like most first-time fathers and first-time mothers, I will never forget the terror that I felt when we were bringing Brody, my oldest son, home for the first time. I remember leaving the hospital and, and the nurse closed our car door. And I remember even saying to her, like, are you coming with us? Like, is somebody coming with us? Like, like I, I don't know. What if I do something wrong? Like, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. They didn't give me a manual, and here's how you do it. Like, they just left me on, on my own. And I thought, just because I had parents doesn't mean I know anything about parenting. And just because I was a kid doesn't mean I know anything about raising kids. But I remember being in the car with some excitement, but overall terror. And the nurse closed the car door, and she waved goodbye. I remember driving from Tenova to our house, which was like a 10-minute drive. It was 30 minutes that day because in my little gray Corolla, I was going way under the speed limit, you know? Like, I was not taking any chances. And we got home. I sat on the couch, and I put Brody right in front of me. And I remember my legs shaking. I was chewing gum. And I remember thinking, what's next? What do I do now? How, what do we do from here? Where do we go from here? If you're a parent here today or you know someone who is a parent, or you had parents, I think we would all agree parenting is very difficult. 
I think there are many times where we go, well, what's next? What now? Where do we go from here? Because in parenting, there can be a lot of pain. When our kids decide to go their own way, there could be hurt when we don't feel like we get things right. But also there could be a lot of joy and gladness and happiness because of all the goofy things that our kids do that we save up for ammo later on when they get older, you know? They give us some really awesome stories. To be honest with you all today, there's a lot of things that my kids have taught me about being a father, about who I am as a dad. There's a lot of things that my kids have taught me about God as our father and we as his children. I feel like I've begun to see more of God the Father's heart towards his kids. And let me tell you, talking about parenting is a very intimidating subject. Because there's times where I feel like I'm the worst parent in the world. But as I've talked to a lot of you here today, what I found out is we're all in the same boat. We all feel like we failed at some point. We all feel like we're not doing enough. We're not praying enough. We all feel like we've failed. In fact, just kind of a funny story about feeling like a failure. Uh, my kids, when they were younger, they liked to get on YouTube Kids, or as they called it, Two-Tube Kids, because they couldn't say it right. And so they would always want to watch the show called Ryan's World. I don't know how many of you are familiar with Ryan's World. Like, last service, okay, there's some of you here. Last service had no clue. This whole thing went way over their head. But Ryan's World, this is about a kid who is on YouTube, and all he does is he reviews toys. That's it. That's his job. And he has 33.2 million subscribers. So some of you just need to get on board with this kid, Ryan. Like, he's got a lot of... And I, I remember seeing that, and I was like, my kids play with toys? This is, this is easy. I'll film my kids. We'll review toys. And I quickly learned that I have failed as a parent. Like, my kids can't even play with toys, right? Like, in fact, one Christmas, Dawson, my youngest son, he got something that he wanted. He was maybe like three years old. He was like, what's this? And I'm like, it's the toy you wanted. And he threw it behind his shoulder and was like, meh, what's next? Like, that's just what his reaction was. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, no company is going to pay me money for, to review toys so that we can make lots of money because you're just going to toss it aside. Like, you don't seem to really care. And then as I continue to go further down the Ryan rabbit trail, what I come to find out is that he's got a show on Nickelodeon. He's got his own toy line at Target. And last year, he made $29.5 million. Let that sink in. This is a nine-year-old kid. And I can read that, and I go, I have failed as a parent. Like, (laughs) my kids can't even play with toys, right? Like, I just feel like, what am I even doing? But even on a more serious note, though, like, I think for all of us, we could even look at other kids or other parents, and we could feel like we're failing. In fact, I read an article this week that said that 60% of all parents feel like they fail in the early stages of their child's development. It went on to say because of social media, there is increasing um, inadequacy, feelings of inadequacy when it comes to raising children, with 42% saying they feel like they need to be perfect all the time. There's so much for us to compare ourselves to, compare our kids to in this world. And I was thinking about this this week. And I was even thinking about the cultural expectations that come when it comes to raising kids that we put on ourselves and our kids. I mean, I was thinking about how when we raise kids, we want to raise kids that are happy, right? Which what we're going to come to find out is that's wrong. We need to raise kids that are holy. But we'll talk about that here in just a minute. But we feel like we got to raise kids that are happy. Raise kids that are in good moods all the time. 
And all we need to do is scroll through social media and see happy picture after happy picture of a family who feels like they're killing it. And we go, man, that family, man, they've got it going on and I'm over here not doing very well. I feel like a failure. In fact, I brought a video of my kids that I want to share with you that happened just a, well, it was a long time ago, a few years ago, that I think is kind of funny because I think it shows the reality of where we're at. I like the dog in the back. He's like, what's the deal? Like, just throw the food here. Like, so Jen was trying to force our kids to eat vegetables. And that's what was happening. And what I love is they're crying, daddy. Because they know dad's not forcing that, you know? Give them whatever they want. We're surviving when it's with dad, you know? (laughs) But I love that because that's reality. And I remember I wasn't home at the time. And I said, Jen, why are you posting that? It's going to feel like we're failing as parents. And she was like, I'm sick of everybody being fake. It's time that people see some reality of what parenting is like, right? Because that's what it's like for us. It's not that kid going, broccoli's great. And then we go, yeah, no, it's that. It's crying. It's tears. It's sadness. And we're struggling. And we feel like we are failing. But not only do we feel like we got to raise kids that are happy, we got to raise kids that are cute, right? Because we're cute. Like that's, you know, aren't we? So we project that onto our kids. But then we want to raise kids that are smart. And so what we end up doing is comparing GPAs or grades to other kids or other siblings. But not only do we feel like we got to raise kids that are happy, cute, smart, but we feel like we got to raise kids that are talented as well. We put them in three sports and the piano, you know, and we want them to exceed in all of that, be successful in all of these extracurricular activities that we put our kids in. This is a tall order for us and for our kids. But I wonder what the ripple effect would be if we would just take some pressure off ourselves take some pressure off our kids, I wonder how that would improve our relationship with them. Because I know people in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s who are still responding to the pressure that was put on them as kids. I know people who are like, well, I'm going to show dad. I'm going to prove this to mom. And we can easily pass this on to our kids if we're not careful. And my hope and my prayer that we walk away with today is that we aren't, as parents, trying to compare ourselves to other parents. We're not trying to compare our kids to other kids. We're also not trying to fit some cultural mandate to ensure that our kids are well-rounded or fit whatever we think culture wants them to be. My hope and my prayer is that we instill the most important value to our kids Because we as parents have a responsibility to lead our kids to a mature relationship with God. But some assembly will be required. And so we need to come to God's word and get some instruction, get some knowledge on on how to do this. And Deuteronomy 6, I think, gives us this instruction. Deuteronomy 6, I believe, gives us the secret to great parenting. In fact, that's the title of today's message, The Secret to great parenting. Because here in in chapter 6 of Deuteronomy, I believe Moses gives us one of the greatest teaching in all of Scripture when it comes to parenthood. So chapter 6, verse 1, says, Now this is the commandment, the statutes, and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, 
that you may fear the Lord your God and your son and your son's son by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I commanded you all the days of your life, and, your, and that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. What Moses is saying here is he's like, hey, you need to teach your kids to fear God, to obey God, to walk in his ways. That's why it says when your son's son's sons, he's talking about generation after generation will be impacted. If you teach your kids to fear God and obey him, we have a responsibility as parents to lead our kids to a mature relationship with God. So how do we do this? Well, as we continue to read here through Deuteronomy, I believe it gives us two ways that we can do that. That if we live out these principles, this teaching that Moses gives us, we as parents can play a part in changing generation after generation. So the first is love God in words and action. Love God in words and action. Look at what it goes on to say in verse four. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Pause right there. It doesn't say love the Lord your God with some of your heart, soul, and might, or a little bit, or with a percentage, or love the Lord your God when it's convenient for you and it fits in your schedule. It says love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and might. But the reality is there are some of us who love God with just a little bit of our heart, soul, and mind. I don't think that we do this intentionally. One of the most dangerous things that you could do as a parent is expose your children to just a little bit of God. Think about this for just a second. Flu season is coming up here and many people will go and they'll get their flu shot. And what do they do? You go and and they'll prepare your arm and then they'll stick a needle with just a little bit of the flu in you. And that'll go through your body, which what they're hoping will happen is that you will then become immune to the whole thing. See, we as parents, I think we unintentionally give our kids just a little bit of the things of God, making them immune to all of God's goodness, God's glory, God's power, and God's majesty. And then our kids will find themselves knowing just a little bit about God, but not knowing God personally, intimately, not knowing God's love, grace, mercy, forgiveness, not knowing God in a life-changing way that we know him. The Bible tells us that we are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, and might. Now the problem is, because of the world we live in, there are a lot of things that can distract us from loving God with all of our heart. See, all of us as parents, we want to provide for our kids, right? I think a lot of us, we just want to give our kids more than we had growing up. And so we work hard at our careers and we try to get more things for our kids when what we should be really giving our kids is more of us and a deeper relationship with God. But we want to provide the best opportunities. So we get them into basketball, ballet, gymnastics, and we work hard so we can have this nice car to transport them all around town and and then we save up for a great education because we want them to get into the best schools. And before long, if we're not careful, we become child-centered parents instead of God-centered parents. 
We could easily start looking at our schedules going, man, it feels like we're over here and we're doing this. And we look at our schedules and their schedules and, and we look at it because our lives revolve around our kids rather than revolving around God. Now, listen, I'm not up here saying that it's pointless for you to work hard at your career or to save money or to give your kids things that you didn't have, or it's pointless to get them into a good school or to do all that. I'm not up here saying that's of the devil and you shouldn't do that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm trying to do those exact same things in our family. But what I am saying is this, that when those things become the main things in our lives, our lives get out of whack. So the question we need to ask ourselves is, what are we making time for? Have we created a habit where church is just on the back burner and we're making space for things that aren't actually helping our souls? We're making space for basketball, football, gymnastics, all of that volleyball. And if we're not careful, if we're not intentional, we run the risk of becoming child-centered parents rather than God-centered parents. We're commanded here in Deuteronomy, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. We have to make time to worship with God's people, to honor God's name. And don't kid yourself, parents, if you don't prioritize a relationship with the Lord, where you're spending time with him daily, praying, getting into God's word, if you're not prioritizing um, coming around and being around God's people, don't kid yourself, parents. That will send a significant message to your kids. In fact, I came across a study done a few years ago, and they talked about parents who were active in the church. Now, when I say active, I mean they're not just coming, sitting down, leaving, these are people who are active. They're coming in, but they're also serving. They're giving. They're a part of groups. Like They're active participants. This is a community to them, and they are active in it. And what the study found was that as parents, as a mom and dad, as they are active in the church, 72% of those kids became active in a church that they belong to. Went on to say that if it was just the mom who was active in the church, that dropped down to 15% that were active. If dad was active in the church, the number shot right back up to 55%, which says, dads, don't underestimate the value and the authority that you have in your role in leading your kids to know who Jesus is. But then it went on to say, and it concluded that if neither mom or dad went to church, were not active in the church at all, only 6% of those kids became active in a church that they belonged to. We put God first. We could do all those other things. Go to sports, go to gymnastics, go to all of those other things after we put God first. In fact, I want to talk to the students for just a moment here. If your parents are encouraging you to engage in church in some shape, form, some way, they want you to be involved with all of that, your parents aren't trying to get you to just be religious. They're trying to be intentional. They're trying to give you an anchor that is actually going to add value to your life. You don't want your life to be anchored to sports. You don't want your life to be anchored to social media. You don't want your life to be anchored to entertainment. You need an anchor for your soul. Because there will come a day when you will face a breakup. There will come a day when you'll get fired from that job. 
There will come a day when you will face trials and troubles and tribulations and hard things in your life. And in those moments, you will need an anchor for your soul. It's not that I'm up here saying sports are bad, social media is bad, entertainment is bad. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying they make terrible anchors for our souls. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and might. See, as parents, I think it's very important as we engage with our kids, we need to remember that what we provide financially is centered around their wants. But what we provide spiritually is centered around their needs. I know, especially as a breadwinner, maybe a mom or a dad or both, there's a lot of pressure put on us about how much bacon we can put on the table. Do your part. Play your part. Don't be lazy. Do what you can. Provide for your family. But begin to place a high value on not just what you provide financially, but also what you provide spiritually. So this week, maybe in group or on the car ride home at lunch today, begin to think about, ask the question, how can I begin to put God first in my schedule? How can I put God first in my schedule? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, not just in your, um, in, in your words, but also in our actions. Here's the second thing. We lead our children spiritually. We lead our children spiritually. Verse six, it says, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. As parents, we need to lead our kids spiritually. Spiritual talk should not be something that just happens on Sunday or, or, or happens when you're going to groups. Spiritual talk should happen 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days out of the year. Parents, lead your house spiritually. In fact, I read a quote this week that really stood out to me, and it was from Edward, Duke of Windsor. And he said this, he said, the thing that impresses me most about America is the way the parents obey their children. Think about that for just a second. The thing that impresses me most is how parents obey their children. So parents, here's the question for you today. Are you leading your children or are your children leading you? God has put you in a place where you are to lead them spiritually. You set the tone. You are the spiritual authority in that house. God has put you in that role. And if you don't do that, you just end up being the tallest people living in the house. God has put you in that role. Lead them spiritually. And this week, to be honest, I was going to share some very practical ways that Jen and I do this in our house, you know, reading the Bible, teaching them scripture, praying with them, you know, spending time with them individually, together. And I could go through all that, but what I really felt like the Lord was wanting me to say is, talk to him about how you lead spiritually. God is your father. He wants you to lead your family in the unique way that he has called you to lead your family. So he's like, don't spoon feed them. Let them talk to me. Let them know my heart about their family and how they can lead their family spiritually. So I would challenge you this week 
Talk to God about how you can lead spiritually. Talk to God about what that looks like. Even so much to say, I think the thing that I've learned this week is that being a parent is often like a game of show and tell. My kids love show and tell. I think sometimes they think that's what I do on a Sunday. But, but they, they love show and tell. And what is show and tell? You know, like, I can't tell my kids, hey, eat broccoli if I'm not doing it as well. I, I can't tell them, hey, love God with all your heart. I can tell them that, but if I'm not showing that, what am I doing? I can't tell them, hey, you got to pray if they don't see me praying. Hey, you got to read if they don't see me reading. You've got to play a game of show and tell when it comes to parenting. We need to be the spiritual authority. In fact, even Proverbs 22.6, one of the most iconic verses in all the Bible when it comes to parenting, this is what it says when it comes to um, leading spiritually. It says, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he's old, he will not depart from it. The Hebrew word for train is chanik, and it means palate of mouth. In the Old Testament, an Israelite woman, she would have a baby, and the Hebrew midwife would be there, and she would take her finger and dip it into this paste, and then take that paste and put it in the baby's mouth on the chanik. And what this would do is this would initiate a hunger so that the baby would nurse. Isn't that what we're called to do, parents? Aren't we trying to initiate a hunger for God's word and God's ways in our child's lives? Lead your family spiritually. God has placed you in that role. In fact, even more so, Proverbs gives us some very tangible ways on how we can do this. And I made it super easy for us today. We'll have them up on the screen, but there are seven ways that we can, specific ways we can train our children. If you want, you can take a picture of these seven ways. You can write them down. If you're on Uverse, you could just take a screenshot of it as well. But number one, train them to manage God's money. A few months ago, my oldest son, Brody, he was asked, hey, what would you do with a million dollars? He was like, well, I'd buy a Ferrari. I'd buy a Lamborghini. Then I'd buy a Tesla. And then I'd buy a gaming PC. And then I had to prompt him and say, well, what are you going to give to the church? A hundred bucks. Okay, well, (laughs) sweet, you know, like, and he went on to buy a house, buy a pool, like, you know, all that stuff. So we need to train our kids, though, to manage money because it's God's anyways. Number two, we need to train them to carefully select friends. Number three, train them to watch their words. Dawson came up to me the other day and said, can I say the S word? I was like, S word? What are you talking about? He was like, yeah, somebody's being stupid. I just want to say it. No, you can't say it. Don't call somebody stupid. It was a close one, you know? (laughs) Train them to be responsible, number four. Number five, I think is crucial. Train them to guard their minds. I mean, parents, we are in a whole new arena with smartphones and all the technology and social media and all that kind of stuff out there. Our kids, there's so much coming in through their eyeballs. And, and in fact, I'm reading a lot. Spoiler alert, we're going to have a, a sermon series called I'm Not Okay here in a couple of weeks. But I'm reading a lot about how this generation is more depressed, more anxious, more lonely than they ever have been before. Parents, we need to train our kids to guard their minds. Six, train them to be generous. I'm still working on that. Seven, train them to fear God. 
See, if you want to half-heartedly let life happen, I promise you life will happen. You will kiss your kids goodbye. You'll send them off to college, walk them down the aisle, and you'll sit there and you'll wonder, where did it all go? What happened to it? You have to love God with all your heart. Lead your family as God has specifically called you to lead. Tell your kids about the great truths of God. Teach them about his power and his goodness. Teach them about the power of prayer. Teach them about the truths that are found in God's word. We have a responsibility as parents to lead our kids to a mature relationship with God. But it all begins with loving God with all of our heart. Not some, not a percentage, all of our heart. And we need to intentionally lead our families spiritually. This week, it was great. I was able to take the boys out to eat. We went to Chick-fil-A and uh, got the Lord's chicken, but uh, it, it was a good time. And, uh, and I love it. And I love sitting down. I remember I asked the boys, I said, how was school today? Good, good, good. Okay, yeah, that's, that's about it. You know, just those one-word answers. Typical guys, just give me the one-word answer, you know. Dawson, when we go to Chick-fil-A, though, he always gets a yogurt. That's all he gets. So pray for him. He doesn't like the Lord's chicken, but he gets this big bowl of yogurt. And he's like right up the cup to the mouth. And, you know, he's got yogurt all over his face and up his nose and smacking his lips. He goes, well, dad, how's the message? And I was like, wow, okay, well, you seem to be very concerned. And so, you know, I told him, I said, well, I'm talking about parenting this week. He's like, oh, hmm, okay. I don't know if that was just because the yogurt was good or he was actually into what I was saying. But what I later asked him, I said, well, hey, guys, when you grow up, do you want to be daddies? And Brody, my oldest son, he goes, well, yeah, I do. I want to be just like you, dad. I was like, oh, that's great. He's like, not the job, though. Don't get me wrong. That's hard work. He was like, I just want to be like you as a father. So he wanted to bring that clarity. I said, okay. Dawson, again, yogurt, mid-eating yogurt. He goes, yeah, I want to be a daddy so I can grow a beard. So that's his priorities. (laughs) He can't have a beard the way that kid eats. So... (laughs) Then Asher, my, my middle son, I, he answered and he said, yeah, I want to have a wife and two kids. By the way, he's already got a ring picked out. So, you know, this is how serious he is about this kind of thing. And so I said, oh, yeah, that's, that's very specific, Asher, a, a, a boy and a girl. And he was like, yeah, you know, me and my girlfriend, we've already talked about this. And I went, oh, <laughs> you're in third grade. What are you doing? Slow down, Charlie Brown. Like... <laughs> I don't say anything if you see him around, right? He doesn't watch, so I feel okay. But don't say anything. You embarrass him. <laughs> but then I asked him, I said, what have I taught you as a dad? And I didn't know what I was walking into with this, you know? And I, I said, what have I taught you? And so they start going off. They're like, well, you teach us not to lie and to work hard. And, and to, you've, you've helped us ask Jesus in our hearts. And they start going down the list. And I'm writing all this stuff down. And basically what it comes down to is what I've taught them is to love God, love their mommy, to love their wife, and to love their kids. And honestly, for me, that was super encouraging. Because how many times do I feel like I fail? How many times do I feel like I'm not trying hard enough, praying hard enough, doing enough? There's times where I've blown it. I've yelled, I've gotten frustrated, I've made mistakes in my parenting, 
But to hear that, it was so encouraging. And, and, and what it made me realize is that the most important thing that I do right now is raising those three boys. Listen, I could be the greatest pastor. I could, I could pray the greatest prayers. I could bring the greatest messages. But if my three boys hate my guts, then I have failed. If they don't love the things of God, then I have failed. And that's applicable to all of our lives. No matter what you do, no matter what your career is, whatever you do for a living, if your kids are not drawn to God, they hate your guts for it, then, then in some way we have failed. We've got to invest in this. It's so important. The most important thing that we will ever do is lead our kids to the one who gave his life for them. And when they know who they are in Jesus, then they're ready to be shot out into this world to make a difference. Parents, your role is so important. Your kids are looking to you as a picture of what it looks like to love and follow Jesus. In fact, if Jesus is important in your life, over time your kids will pick up on that and Jesus will become important in their life. Your relationship with your children is the training ground for their relationship with God. David, in, in 1 Chronicles 28, I love what he says. He's on his deathbed and he calls his son Solomon and he says this, And Solomon, my son, learn to know the God of your ancestors intimately. Worship God and serve him with your whole heart and a willing mind, meaning be active in this. Be active in your faith for the Lord sees every heart and he knows every plan and thought. If you seek him, you will find him. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. The greatest legacy that we can pass on, parents, is not our inheritance, all the things we could give them, all the things we could do for them. It's not even our good name. The greatest legacy we can pass on is the spiritual legacy, wanting them to walk in the ways of the Lord. And that will make an impact generation after generation. Thanks for joining us for this message from Awaken Church. We'd love to hear how this message or the ministry of Awaken has impacted your life. Let us know at awaken.church forward slash my story.